You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. <laughs> Have you ever lost sleep because of a bad breakup? <laughs> Don't leave me. Have you ever got so confused about what you want to do with your life and your career? <laughs> I know I have, but don't worry about it. Everybody goes through that, including celebrities. This is that 20s show. Welcome back to that 20s show. As always, with me, Keanu Azman, talking about all the crap that can happen in our 20s: the good, the bad, the ugly, relationship issues, financial issues, family issues. This is the decade where our problems are endless. We've got 99 problems and they're probably all in this decade of being in our 20s. And the guy I have on today's episode, he used to be a radio announcer on HIT. He actually did the show that I'm currently doing now and also part of the reason why I'm always compared to, you know, like why you're showing not like this because he was so brilliant. He was at the top of his game. Now he is busy as a content creator. He was also the producer of the the late late night night show show with with Harvin Harvin Skin Skin. I hope I mentioned it correctly and accurately. The one and only the dapper, the handsome Ryan Majerai. Hello, Ryan. Keanu Reeves, what is up, Maji? <laughs> We've got Ryan Seacrest and Keanu Reeves. You see? You see, you see? Oh, <laughs> thanks for that introduction, by the way. That was amazing. Not many people introduced me on a Zoom call like that, so I, I appreciate every single second of that. The hardest part was actually the name of Harvin's show. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I don't know why we went with that show, but you know what? People love it, so we're happy. Good job on the show. And also, I just got to say that, you know, I am pretty surprised about your age. Because prior to this interview, I didn't bother checking your age. Because I was like, clearly he's in his 20s. Until, mm-hmm. I'm not joking, people, 10 minutes before this started rolling, I just searched. Riot Majerai H. And then I found an article in the newspaper. This is a 2013 article, by the way, that went, Ryan Majerai, 29. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like doing the math. I was like, that was seven years back. What? You're in your 30s already? Dude, I did not see that coming. You do not look any day past 28. <laughs> I'm glad we got off on this foot, Keanu. Thank you very much for mentioning my age. My, my girlfriend reminds me of my age all the time. I don't feel my age. I feel a little bit younger, just maybe because I'm so immature. My mentality is not of a 35-year-old. But I tell you what, man, 30s is the new 20s, my man. If anything, you're still in your teenage years. I'm still in my 20s. So that's worth celebrating. I'm sorry, Ryan, you got that wrong, actually. I feel like I'm 55, actually. You might feel younger, but I feel like I'm 50. My back is always aching and everything. You know, I don't know, lah, guys. I should get checked. Huh? Am I Benjamin Button? Probably I am. You seem more mature than me, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, so I'll give you that one. Yeah. So do you still remember how amazing or how terrible your life in your 20s was? Terrible? No. I look back on my 20s and think, like, wow, I did so much. I mean, not many people know this, but I was a musician back in the day when I used to live in Australia. And that was my life. I was a full-time musician and I also was a graphic designer. And on the weekends, I would bartend as well. That was my passion. I used to love music. I used to love creating and doing stuff like that. And I left that whole life behind me to come out to Malaysia and venture into what you're doing, which is radio, a bit of TV, content creation kind of thing. So it's always been created for me. But also in saying that, I feel like I paid my dues as well, bro, because I used to work in like pie factories. I used to work in catering businesses, farms as well in Australia, just like just to get some extra money on the side as well. I feel like I've done a lot in my 20s, man. And I feel like I've kind of paid my dues to get where I am. So that was in your earlier 20s? Yeah. So when did you yeah. come to Malaysia? Uh, age 26. Age 25, 26. 26. Okay, and your first job here was already with Hits? Technically, yes. There's actually two contracts were offered to me at the same time during the same week. One was Hits. Right. 
So I was really lucky I got offered a contract. And as privileged as that sounds, months before that, I had auditioned for a bunch of things and I received many no's, more no's than yeses. The road to that involved a lot of rejections at the same time kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh my God, let's talk about that. Because, you know, on the surface, people will always look at the one and only Ryan Majorias. Like, oh, this guy got no issue. Like, you know, he's got the looks, he's got the charm, he's got the talent. Clearly, it's been a smooth sailing journey, but clearly it's not that easy, you know, in the process of getting there. You got here when you were 26, and then you went through several rejections from different companies. I did. I mean, you name it, Keanu. I was pretty much hustling. I auditioned for so many things. I was doing things I didn't want to do, which I auditioned for just because I wanted to get one foot in the door. And the way it really helped me, I mean, I talk specifically about hits. The way I got into hits was I became a hits cruiser. That was actually what I was first. I wasn't a straight up hits announcer. I was a cruiser first, but I didn't want to be a cruiser. I walked in there with the sole aim of trying to become a radio announcer. So any so you cruiser, knew what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to be an announcer. I knew I wanted to, because I grew up listening to hits. The idea of working the same station as JJ and Rudy and meeting those guys for the first time and Ian as well. I mean, when I first joined that team, Keanu, if you joined that team, what's it been, two years now for you? A year two and a half? Yeah. When I first joined the hits team, I was a new guy. Everyone on that team was established. We had JJ Ian for breakfast. We had right. Adam C during the afternoon start. We had Natalie and Drive. We had Ginny Boy at nights. Meanwhile, this half-white guy <laughs> who had an Australian accent, didn't know anything about Malaysia because I hadn't lived here for so long, walks in and uh, tries to be part of that team. It just it wasn't going to happen, at least not seamlessly. You know what I mean? It took a while. Right. I was incredibly intimidated being that team. Oh my God, you felt intimidated when you first joined Hits 2? 100%, man. 100%. Everything that you hear on radio, like I was fumbling. I couldn't talk properly on radio. I was a huge fan of Natalie. Natalie, one of the best. You love Natalie. Of all time. I used to listen to her on the radio and I used to make notes about what her talk set was. And I used to write down her talk set and I used to ask myself, and every day I did that. She doesn't know this, by the way. This is brand new information. I hope she... Natalie, I hope <laughs> you're listening watching. to this now. Natalie, he transcribed your talk set, Natalie. I would say I would try to copy her. I would try to be Natalie because she right. was so good on radio. I had a script and whenever I went on radio, I would try and refer to that script and try to be Natalie. But no one could. I couldn't do that. No one can be Natalie because Natalie can only be Natalie. You can only right. be yourself. Right. That was how intimidating it was to be on hits and then to be surrounded by the likes of JJ, Ian, and Ginny Boy trained me. It wasn't an easy process, man. I, I can't tell you how many times I felt like I wasn't good enough to be on radio. And it's crazy to know this because frankly, when I first joined, like one of the first people in my mind was, oh my God, you know, I'm taking over the show that Ryan Majerai once hosted, you know, and the bosses would constantly tell me like, you know, oh, Ryan would plan everything, you know, before his show, every single detail he would plan. Because the thing about me, I'm the complete opposite, which I mean, I guess we all have our different preferences, right? For me, I'm yeah. very... I wouldn't call it laid back. Like I prepare, but at the same time, it can't be too rigid to a script and everything. But I was so pressured because like you said, when you first joined as well, you were so fixated in trying to be Natalie. For me, it was like, oh my God, Ryan did this, Ryan did this. I got to do this, I got to do this. But then eventually I realized, oh my God, you know, he marveled at that, but I got to find my own style as well. But the fact that you mentioned you were struggling to fit in at first, I am pretty intrigued to know more about that. Do you feel like, oh my God, you know, this isn't what I expected. I wanted to be an announcer for so long and now I'm here and oh my God, why do I feel like this? Am I even good enough? Do you ever have those kind of insecurities? Oh, 100% when I first started, yeah. In fact, I can safely say my first two, maybe three years of radio, 
I was not a good radio announcer. I wasn't good. I wasn't able to execute how I wanted to. And the reason why is because, again, I wasn't myself. And people think radio is a very easy job in a way because you're behind a mic and all that. But the idea of switching on a mic and trying to be yourself is so much harder to execute than you think. I felt like I needed to be someone else. I needed to be prim and proper and overpronunciate my words. But the idea of you making mistakes on air and then you know making fun of yourself, people love that. That becomes yes. relatable. But it takes time to develop, right? It really does. It takes a while. Like I think the two people that really I looked at in terms of creativity was Natalie was one, but also Ian. He took over the night show and I heard him go on air and do things I've never heard anyone do before. He played Ricky Martin Shake Bonbon on air. He went, hey, it's, uh, hey, and he got a call on the phone. He's like, hey, what do you want to hear? I want to hear Nicki Minaj, blah, 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 super bass. He goes, oh, what's that? Uh, Ricky Martin Shake a Bonbon? The guy's like, no, I want to hear Nicki Minaj. Oh, sure. I'll play you Ricky Martin Shake a Bonbon. And he played Shake a Bonbon for about 30 seconds and then took the song out and said, I'm just kidding. Now, here, I'll play you super bass by Nicki Minaj. And that was when I was like, oh, you can do that. You can have fun with callers. You can make fun of them. You can make fun of yourself. You can do different things. And that was the start of like a blank canvas. I saw the night show or any show really as a way to be creative. And there's so many ways to be creative on radio, but you just need to take like a little bit of extra effort to stand out from everyone else. But once you do, I mean, you'll come leave some bounds, man. Like your listenership will go up and people will find you more relatable. And yeah. that's the thing about ready. You don't need the, the voice for ready. You just need the personality. And if you're, you're willing to showcase that a bit more, people will relate to that. So that's how I developed over the years. I just kept thinking outside the box and stop listening to everyone around me and just trust your own intuition and decide what works best for you and what works best for the show. And how long did it take you to feel fully comfortable, you know, making jokes out of yourself and be okay with your mistakes? 2015, 2016. So about two, yeah. three years after you joined. Yeah, about two, three wow. years after that, I just, I went crazy on radio. Uh, you know, talk sets, I would, when the song Despacito came out, instead of just playing the song Despacito, I would call up Puerto Rico, I would call up Cuba, and I would ask them, what do these lyrics mean? And, you know, they'd hang up on me and they'd do that, but it would make for amazing talk sets. Right, you know I mean? right. Anytime, say, for example, McDonald's have a new McFlurry that comes out, I would call McDonald's, but I wouldn't mention the brand, but I'd ask, can you deliver this to the studio? And then they'd say yes. And then I'd take the thing and I'd eat it on air or pretend or create the illusion I was doing it to create this whole 3D element because that's what listeners want, man. The number one thing you need as a radio announcer is you need a very strong narrative because people don't know who you are. And the only way they can relate to you is if you have a strong narrative. So, you know, if you mention your favorite creator right now, you'll know everything about them because they have a very strong narrative. Harvin Skin has a very strong narrative. He's an Indian guy who likes to swear. He's got a talk show. You know, he does content that pushes it's the like boundary. It's like solidifying your branding, right? Yeah. Whereas if you talk about someone else who's not relatable and is not themselves, people can't really find a narrative that goes with you and therefore can't relate to you. True. And I also believe that if you're not yourself, it wears off really fast too. You're going to get tired because it's just not you. You're forcing out something yeah. else that's not in here. That's so when I wanted to do this podcast as well, I was like, what am I passionate about? Oh yes, I'm passionate about the crap that we go through in the 20s and that 20s show. And I don't feel tired listening to things from different people. Even if sometimes the things that different guests go through in my show is something similar. But I'm like, hey, there's a sense of relatability there, which I really like how you pointed out that just now. And of course, you know, now in 2020, you are very established in show business already. I feel like you don't really care about the limelight anymore that much. You just want to create things that you are passionate about. 
Would you say that? Yes and no. I believe that you need to, in any industry, to be successful for longevity, you need yes. to be able to reinvent yourself every 10 years. And that's the transitional period I'm going through right now is I'm trying to reinvent myself. Into what? I don't have the answer just yet, but I know I'm in a transitional period and I know I need to do something different. And that's one of the reasons why I left radio as well, was just the idea of having to do something different because I felt like I had nothing else to prove. Not to anyone else, but just to myself. You know, I feel like I had maxed out that burning desire to create content you know, on a constant basis. At the end of the day, and you know this, Keanu, when you go on radio and you do an amazing talk set that you're very proud of, right? Cool. It's great. It's up there. But it's only up there once. And then it's gone. And 15 minutes later, you need to deliver again. Right. And the idea of working so hard on the talk set and then seeing it disappear, is kind of difficult after a while. I'd rather create content that existed out there somewhere and stayed there as a way to archive. Because at the end of the day, when you talk about talk shows or just shows in general, it's always like they talk about next day TV. All these talk shows that are coming out, no one really watches the show. They watch the next day YouTube that come out. Right. It's the same True. The so with radio, we don't have that luxury. You can't even rewind it anymore. No, once it's over, it's over. Only our bosses can listen back to our talk sets, but not the general public. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But Canada, the one thing I like about you, you're keeping busy. You're doing things. I think a lot of people out there, when they want to jump into this industry, they feel like they're not good enough. And uh, no one ever comes into this industry thinking they're good enough. Plus, you have to be prepared to be bad to be good at something. You know what I mean? That the is fact so that true. You're, so the fact that you're doing every now and again with your interviews and you're doing this doing that and I'm sure you're doing TV shows as well that's the one thing that trumps talents is execution and the fact that you're executing all these things you're going to get better and better and that's the great thing about you and I hope you keep that up man thank you oh my god you know this interview night has become a session of me learning you know all these skills from Ryan Majirai about being a good announcer executing good ideas and all that so listeners I'm sorry okay if you're like no no actually I'm not sorry actually maybe this specific episode has inspired some of you that to be like I want to be a radio announcer because now I've learned the skills from Ryan Mancharai himself because I'm just here in the backseat. Like. <laughs> so if you think that these are like two radio announcers who are giving their tips, I'm sorry, no, it's just Ryan Mancharai. I'm also listening. I'm in the same seat as you guys are, the listeners. You know, let's backtrack a little bit to your struggles. What were some of the most painful moments of being rejected? that you still remember. The idea of you not being good enough and then you in the back of your mind just thinking you're not good enough. And more often than not, you are not good enough. And like I said, because you come into this industry, you can't expect yourself to compare to the people who are already established in the industry and think that you're going to be as good as them. You're not. And those people weren't good when they first started out. But the struggles, I remember just hustling, man, really, really, really trying extra hard to get into the industry. I mean, I was telling you on WhatsApp messages before the show how... You know, I walked into CEOs' offices and asked them straight out. And this is not something I would recommend doing, but I was pretty desperate. I'm not going to lie. I was a desperate guy trying to get into the industry. And I remember telling the guards that, oh, I have a meeting with Izam Omar. This guy's white. He must have a meeting with... Uh... So they let me through. They gave me a pass. I went in and no joke. I had no dignity, no pride. I walked straight into his office. I told the secretary, I'm like, would you mind if I just speak to Izam Omar really quickly? And she was like, sure. Okay, let me just get him. Oh my God, this is... A white boy privilege, you know. I should, oh my god, <laughs> I went they didn't work. Ryan. they're like, huh? Well, who are you? Well, let's turn on Ryan. No need, just go in. So, what happened after that? He was the nicest gentleman ever, and he still is to this day. And he came out and he shook my hand. and I said to him, Hey, I saw you on Twitter, I follow you on Twitter, I love your tweets. I have a showreel and a resume, and I just thought I'd pass it to you because I'd love to get in this industry. I don't know how I moved over here, and I'm wondering if you have a look at my showreel. And he's like, Sure, I can look at it, but why don't I? introduce you to the team. So I was like, okay. What is so he happening? Brings, he brings me for a tour on just that level. 
and he talks to the team there, and obviously he's the CEO, you know. Yeah. So you walk in, and everyone's kind of like quiet, and he says to the team, "Oh, this is Ryan. I think he's looking for a, you know, to try and get into the industry and stuff like that. Do you want to have a look at his showreel?" And they were like, "Oh, okay." And they took the showreel. I spoke to him for a bit more, and then he said to me, "You know, we'll try and get in touch." That was it. I left the building. They never got in touch. <laughs> I was waiting for that climax, man. I was like, and then the next day they called me, and I got the show. And then, oh. No, they, they never got in touch. And that's this part and parcel of the industry. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. everyone can look kind of thing. But after that, I just kept looking out for auditions and I kept going. I also told you in what I said that I walked into, at the time, the general manager of HITS or Astro Radio, which was Jake Mann. And I walked into his office as a HITS cruiser. And I said to him, hey, Jake, you might have seen me around the office. Here's my showreel. He looks at the showreel and he says, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to become a radio announcer. And he goes, well, you don't need to pass me this. Just tell me. I was like, well, I want to be a radio announcer. He's like, good, follow me. So he brings me into office with Brian. Another round. <laughs> Another round of tour in a different yeah. office, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and he said to them, swear in the face. He's like, this guy started training to be an announcer. And they were like, okay. And they took my number and they started training me to be a radio announcer. And within a month, my first show I ever did was the Hits Morning Crew backup with Jin. JJ Ian went on leave for one week and me and Jin took over. And it was the most, and talk about being intimidated as a first job. My pants was brown that whole week. You know I can imagine like, all the way to breakfast at the start. Yeah. A week after that whole thing, they offered me a, a contract. And that was a great week. Really good stuff for 2011. Yeah. And I auditioned for ATV Cricky as well. And, and, and one of the bosses there who I had to really impress was um, this guy called Arnold Lowe. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> I hear he's still in the industry somewhere. <laughs> he sat in, in my audition and he Comedian. watched me. So the industry is small, man. And that's part and parcel with the industry as well. Just networking and meeting people. And I was lucky in those few months to be able to get both those jobs because both those jobs were great platforms to get in the industry, man. For sure, for sure. And I love how, you know, your story really showed us all that it's really about just keep on trying. Even if you get rejected once, it's painful, of course. I've been through rejections where I actually almost cried at Tropicana City Mall because I was emceeing jobs since I was 14, 15. I did school events first and that was a good start for me. Even though I made like crazy mistakes when the people were like, you don't see these kind of things on stage. I'm like, oh my God, sorry. And I'm like, I'm a bad host. But it didn't stop me from wanting to chase my dreams because I knew from the start, from the get-go, Ryan Seacrest was like my idol. He was my wallpaper in my phone since I was 14, 15. And then my friends were like, oh, wow. is there something you want to tell us? I'm like, Mom, this is purely an idol. I'm not joking. He's my muse. And then, um, yeah, when I was in my early 20s, I finally started going for auditions and some of the producers were like, maybe hosting is not meant for you. Lah. But if you do think you want to host, you should try emceeing. And I was like, oh my God, I emceed since I was 14. And he couldn't even see that. So I was like, I'm terrible. You know? <laughs> Things like that. But I guess, you know, at the right time, at the right place, also if you put your heart and soul into it, you put in the effort. I do believe that luck favors the prepared person, you know. I mean, luck is luck. But at the same time, if you're prepared, I believe that it does increase your chances, you know. And exactly. Was, you need to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, that's putting yourself in those positions to get yeah. that luck. So all those tough times have still brought you here. And is there anything you would tell people out there that you would praise yourself for in your 20s? Things that you would pat yourself on the back. You're like, you know what? I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I didn't stop doing something because if not, I wouldn't be here today. I think doing more than thinking. I think a lot of people, I think the generation now tends to think a lot more than they do. And by that, I mean, they just, they think about wanting to do something or they want to do it, but then there's no execution. I think people should do more than think. And I know that sounds a little bit irrational to do more and think less, but the idea of what I just said, 
said, the only thing that trumps talents is execution. The idea of doing something enough until you're good at it can only do great things for you. And especially now during this time, I mean, back in the day, you didn't have the platforms that you have today. You literally don't need a company anymore. You're able to garner attention in so many ways. It's never been easy to get attention, but it's also never been harder to keep that attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. So right now, this is the best time. Cameras are not as expensive as they used to be. You can do it on your phone. You can create content on so many different platforms now for free. You can get your name out there in so many ways. You can resonate with audiences. You don't need to get anyone to teach you anymore. You can just watch. So the idea that people can go out there and make mistakes and then learn from them and do all that on social media now is amazing. It's no better time to get out there and think less and do more. Yeah. I think that makes perfect sense, actually. You know, think less, do more in the sense where you have an idea, execute it fast. You know, I mean, of course... The success rate is another issue, I believe, right? It's about just doing it. That's something I'm trying to apply in my own life and my career too now. I'm like, if I have an idea, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this is, people are going to like this or not, but whatever. I'd rather do it and see if it works rather than just not and assume that, no, if I did it, no one's going to like it anyway. How sure are you, right? So just do it. If it feels whatever, at least you try. It's been such a good chat. And I personally have learned so much from you as well, which I've been, FYI, people, not cross paths. Not like this. <laughs> Never, actually. No, we haven't. And honestly, man, I'm so proud of you, Keanu, because like I said, that, that night show, that really was my baby for so long. Like, I really looked after that show. And I, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah, man, I hope you're having fun with it. And I hope you don't lose that burning desire to keep on with it kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's been great to talk to you as well. Thank you so much, Ryan, for all the tips, all the epiphanies that you've received. You have transferred it to all of us listening and me hosting this podcast. Thank you so much again, Ryan. Yo, thanks for having me, Keanu. It's been a pleasure and have a good show tonight. All right, no pressure, but I will be listening. <laughs> oh. okay.